On today's podcast, we go through the four different types of PCOS. Classical PCOS that is most commonly diagnosed, we're seeing insulin resistance, high testosterone, all of the symptoms that you see, pill-induced PCOS, which happens after you come off of birth control and get the flood of androgen hormones for some women, inflammatory PCOS, and adrenal-based PCOS, what all of them look like, and how you can address each one. Live your life within the moment, moment, and don't go wait until the morning, morning, you never know when it is over, it's hump day. And it's your birthday. It's my birthday. It's my birthday. I am taking a Z-biotic today and drinking on the beach. <laughs> As you should. As you should. Um, oh, that's so fun. I didn't. Re- I did not see the math that like you were going to be gone on your birthday. Yeah, that's so it's fun. my birthday trip. Yeah. So my husband very generously. Well, okay. So he surprised me. But if you guys know my personality, you can probably you guess know. that I'm yeah. like, Okay, yeah, but where are we going? And also, can I help? <laughs> I need to know the flight plans at least. No, he did a very good job planning. So yes, we are in Cabo enjoying a few days away. And yeah, so we haven't had drinks in quite a while. And um, Z-Biotics, just want to give them a shout out if you guys have never um, taken them before. They are basically like a, an enzyme that helps block alcohol. Um, and so you don't like get hangovers or like negative can reduce the impacts. Let's Let's I was going to say, honest. I feel like I would be the exception, so I might need to try them. Let's be honest that there's still negative effects of alcohol, yeah. right? You don't just take this enzyme and, and whatever, but yeah, it's a enzyme that can block um, the effects of alcohol and make it just easier on you know your liver and your body and all that type of stuff. So I got Ultima mocktail packets mm-hmm. to bring with us, um, some various flavors that sound very yummy, and then I'll just do like a vodka or tequila or something. Yeah. Obviously, it's Mexico. It's probably going to be tequila. And I love tequila. So, anyways. Have you tried the frothing of the tequila? Have we talked about this? I have not. I was going to do it the other night, but I also hate shots. So, I opted out. Um, Does it work? I haven't tried it. Okay. You sent me the video, though. I know. So, I saw this video on TikTok that you froth tequila with like a... a, Liz and Mm -hmm. I use the battery little frothers all the time. And it makes it like substantially smoother. The same tequila, not different tequila, but like the same tequila frothed makes it substantially smoother. Okay. So I'll have to take my frother and yes. try this because this resort, it's so fancy. Okay. We have like a pillow menu. We have all these things. Amazing. Um, in our room, there's apparently a liquor dispenser. So I don't know, like if you get to request, right. you know, or if it's just all probably tequila. tequila, vodka, gin, I have to imagine. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I haven't seen it yet. So, um, Maybe I'll froth it because here's the thing. If when you guys go, if you guys don't know this, um, so we do all inclusives most of the time, um, you know, especially if we travel to Mexico, but, uh, the liquor there is watered down. I think, um, when Art did the research, it was like 50% alcohol because if you actually gave Oh, people it'd be so expensive. full strength, no, it and wouldn't people even, would be out of control. People would just be out of control. Yes. I mean, again, this is, is like a, very high-end resort. So I don't think it's going to, it's not going to be like a party resort, right? It's going to be like people just like chill, but some of the other resorts we've gone to like the Rio or, you know, yeah, other places. Um, if people actually drank the amount of drinks they consume and are all inclusive all day long, people would just be laying on the floor. Like, yes, agreed. <laughs> Becca would be laying on the floor either way. She just might have four drinks in Mexico rather than two. Um, I'm the worst at drinking. So if, if that said, it's probably not that great, 
Yeah. Well, so they gave us credit. Okay, we got to get onto the show here in a minute, but I got to tell you guys this. So they gave us credits. And I'm like, okay, well, let me see what these $500 in resort credits are going to do. They said, well, you can use $250 towards the spa. Tell me why the spa treatment alone, just for a massage, I mean, they jacked the prices so high that even if you took, because I think that the $250 is going to be like, 125 per person. Like there's yeah. going to be stipulations to this, right? Yep. They're not just going to give me $250 to use at the spa. Yeah. But we do get complimentary like hydrotherapy or something. So then I looked at, okay, well, what can I use this $500 for? Cause I can't use it on the sunset cruise I want to use. Yep. So they sent me a list. Guess how much a wine tasting is? $250. $190. Oh, so we go. could do a wine tasting. And I said, where are these wines from? They better be from Argentina or like France or something really crazy. So anyways, it'll be a fun week, but moving on to the show. Yes. So wanted to kind of talk through, uh, PCOS. Um, I think that PCOS is unfortunately on the rise Mm -hmm. greatly. Um, and I think that there's a lot of correlation between insulin and a large portion of the population is now slightly insulin resistant. I think birth control plays a large role in a lot of this. So we're going to talk about how there's multiple different types of PCOS and how you kind of address each one slightly different. Um, So in general, with PCOS, symptoms will trump labs. And that's in general, like with everything. Um, I I 1000% love labs. We run labs with our clients. We get blood work with clients. It helps us answer a lot of questions and, you know, mysteries. But... I have plenty of people that labs don't show us much, but they have horrible symptoms. Mm -hmm. And so you cannot ignore symptoms. You need to use symptoms because that's how someone feels. That's how they live their life. And so what are some common symptoms with PCOS? We see hair loss on the head or no hair growth on like the sides of the legs or armpits. So abnormal hair growth and hair loss, basically. You have hair growth in places Places like your chin, like Mm -hmm. your sideburns, like your chest. Um, And females, here's the thing. Everyone has a couple chin hairs. You do not have PCOS. Everybody has a little bit of the upper lift hair, okay? Oh, agreed. Agreed. Okay, so I get... (laughs) When I was young, I used the bleaching stuff. Horrible, very toxic for your skin. Don't recommend doing that. But I remember I was... I don't know. I was very young. I was in my sister's apartment in Copenhagen, Denmark, that's when I first shaved my legs and I got in trouble for it because I wasn't supposed to shave my legs yet. But I wanted to shave my legs. Leg hair is gross. It is. I, ha- I By the way, I have a similar story with Nair. Yeah, I did Nair on too. On fire. My legs were on, on fire. fire. That shit hurt. I broke out so badly. Yes. Horrible. So I got that full on like bleaching kit though. There was like the little cups and you know the thing and I would just bleach my upper lip. Ooh. Well, you have dark hair. Yeah. I have blonde hair. You so know I can get a miracle. A miracle. Hands down the best... $2,000 I've ever spent. It's the laser hair removal. Laser hair removal. I need to do it. I just hate shaving bikini lines. It's just like, it really bothers me. I don't mind my armpits. I don't mind any other area. Bikini line mm-hmm. just drives me effing yeah. nuts. So I need to do it too. Okay. Anyways, back to the <laughs> symptoms. Hair growth in unwanted places, hair loss in places that you want hair, like your head. And then typically we see apple shapes a lot of times. So mm-hmm. like Big stomach, belly, smaller arms and legs. I see this very similar, like with the classical PCOS, which we'll get to, this is almost always what I see with clients. Um, Muscular, physically strong, like people Mm -hmm. with PCOS can build muscle easily. Mm -hmm. And it's something they should take advantage with. Estrogen. Yep. Red patches on the skin, like they're flushing almost, but in different areas of the body. 
Irregular cycles is a huge telltale. Uh, so infertility is very common. Miscarriages are very common. Getting a cycle like a couple times a year. Um, and when their cycles happen, they tend to be very heavy. Uh, insulin resistance and high blood pressure. I'm sorry, high blood sugars. Deep masculine voice. Uh, emotionally eat when stressed or don't eat when stressed. Like there's very irregular eating a lot of times with this. So mm-hmm. a lot of times we'll see with PCOS, they starve themselves and then they binge. They undereat and then they overeat. It's kind of like this back and forth. Um, so we need to discuss kind of the different types and how you address depending on the type, because yes, there are general things that you do with all of them, but then there's kind of some specific things you do depending on what they are. Well, and I think if you're listening to this and you've maybe suspected that you have PCOS, this is going to help clear up some answers. Like we have some different questionnaires and things that we'll have people fill out in addition to other blood work that we don't typically run. So like if we really suspect one of the types here, we'll add on some other markers, um, prolactin, um, ANA, let's see, we already do insulin. There's just a few other testosterone. Yeah. There's a few other things that we would just add on because you might find it in a non-classical case by other markers. Okay. So what are some things that we would definitely want to see in terms of testing? So blood work, as I just mentioned, a GI map, because we always want to determine what's going on in the gut, what's impacting, um, you know, estrogen clearance from the body. Do we have a lot of beta, high beta glucuronidase, um, you know, things like that. We definitely want to see a Dutch test uh, because again, we've talked on other podcasts, blood test is not the best way to test. You need to be very specific days of your cycle. And, um, you know, the thing to understand is that blood work is basically a snapshot where the Dutch test is going to be more of a movie. And then also what I like about the Dutch test is there's salivary hormones that we can look at too, which is going to also tell us a little bit more about what's happening in the brain and the brain signaling to the ovaries, which is really important, especially in PCOS. Veggies and fiber are going to be extremely important. So before we dive into the four types, I want to just let you know, if you're somebody who has PCOS, your needs are higher. And this is because of insulin. Nine to 12 servings, fruits and veggies every day. Uh, you heard me correctly. Nine to 12. Yep. So four types. Largely important. Classical, pill-induced, inflammatory, and adrenal or stress-induced. Yep. So what are the criteria for classical? This is one that doctors often catch. Um, high testosterone. You have a luteinizing hormone and follicle-stimulating hormone ratio three to one or above point here that should be tested on day two or three of your cycle. Mm -hmm. It can look very different on other parts of your cycle. Yep. Um, Insulin like growth factor is elevated. You have high insulin, A1C sometimes, high DHEA, and then symptoms, right? Irregular cycles, blood sugar issues, especially, and this is where we're looking at two hours postprandial. We're not always just looking at fasting blood sugar because here's the thing. If you've ever worn a continuous glucose monitor, you're going to see some level of the dawn effect. You're going to see that also with finger pricking too. So we like to see what matters more is two hours postprandial. Are you getting into like the mid eighties, very low nineties, cystic acne, hair loss, hair growth, as we just talked about and insulin resistance. Those are kind of your classical PCOS cases. Pill induced is on the rise. And this is one thing that I think conventional medicine has not recognized. Um, and maybe because they caused it, I'm not quite sure. Uh, so anyways, when birth control is placed at a young age, hello, it me, I was 14. Oh yeah. I went on birth control as soon as I could. Yep. So what happens when you're put on birth control at a young age, you're not, your hormones are not able to regulate themselves 
or mature naturally as they are meant to be because they're being controlled by the synthetic hormones. So if you're put on birth control at a young age and you come off of it, your body is going to have to try and regulate hormones naturally now. So it's essentially like you're just going through puberty all over again. Yeah. You open the floodgates. Yeah. And then we come, you know, we add in for certain individuals, high levels of toxicity or exposure to a lot of toxins, right? Endocrine disruptors and things like that. Stress. Who's not stressed when they're a teenager? Life is really hard. You have all these bills you have yeah. to pay and you got to go to school and got to do homework. Like it's being Dieting, a body image, yeah. alcohol. Like you guys, it is the starter pack for issues with your hormones. So what we see a lot of times is that when people come off of their birth controls, you see kind of this flood of hormones. And we've talked about the hormonal cascade before and how a lot of hormones kind of filter to estrogen to be detoxed by the body. And so when we get this flood of hormones... If you are not detoxing properly, if you're not pooping well, if you're drinking alcohol, if you're dieting, you're putting a lot of stress on the liver and now the liver has to basically work in overtime. And if that's not possible for it, what's going to happen, you're going to end up in this huge estrogen dominance situation and it's going to, you know, essentially make you not feel great. You, this is why we see a lot of people come off of birth controls and have massive amounts of weight gain, gut issues, anemia, like there's a lot of side effects. Um, it, you know, we have our own feelings about birth control. I think that it, we, you know, we want fertility freedom. We want to be able to avoid be, getting pregnant. And I a thousand percent understand that. Um, and in specific situations, birth control can be helpful, even in specific PCOS situations. I think that birth control can be helpful. Mm -hmm. um, but in general, what happens after the birth control is removed is you can get a surge of androgens. Androgens are kind of your male hormones uh, and they can cause... PCOS in like the three to six months following coming off birth control, which is why we're going to do a podcast probably soon on how to come off of birth control properly. Uh, because I, I think that there is a much better process than just kind of pulling it, especially depending on the type. Um, and the symptoms that we see with this are acne when you come off of it, irregular periods. And here's the thing. Take some time. When you get a surge of hormones, acne can be normal. It can be normal for your hormones to take some time to regulate. So irregular periods can be kind of normal. But if you're noticing like excessive hair growth and just blood sugar issues, like yeah, it could potentially be PCOS. P I mean, PMS, right? Because you have like mood swings and, you know, when you're on synthetic hormones and you're unable to produce uh, progesterone, what happens in the brain is that I've got this progestin. I don't need to produce progesterone. So yeah. we already come out estrogen dominant basically yeah. relative to yep. progesterone. Yeah. Um, so when we look at inflammatory PCOS, so chronic inflammation will stimulate an overproduction of testosterone. We also can see food sensitivities, gut issues, histamine issues, uh, autoimmune issues, or overactive immune trigger this because essentially you just have so much inflammation in the body. What does inflammation lead to? Insulin resistance or blood sugar imbalances, right? Um, we can experience uh, you know, various symptoms in terms of going through the cycle where things are so imbalanced that you're finding that maybe you're spotting during your period during this time, because again, low progesterone, um, you are having a lot of water retention, a water swelling, water fluctuations. Um, you know, there's just a lot of things that can go on and that would need to be considered from an inflammatory perspective. Most people don't recognize inflammatory PCOS. This is not something that they're like, Oh, no. okay, this, this could actually be what's happening because of the imbalance in your testosterone. Um, again, because testosterone, when that's high, you can filter down into estrogens um, or it can block your androgens as well, right? So yeah. yep. 
I think another big thing to understand is that PCOS, a lot of people believe, PCOS is not an ovary issue. It's it's not a a problem with your ovaries. It affects the ovaries, Mm -hmm. which is why I think, and it's not, we're seeing PCOS in men. And it, it, it is believed by a lot of people to be somewhat of an autoimmune condition. Mm-hmm. And so we have to look at inflammation. And especially in this situation, this is obviously more consistent with this type of PCOS. But like Liz was saying, that inflammation of the, the inflammation basically causes an overproduction of testosterone. And then we see sometimes insulin resistance. We don't always see it with this type of PCOS, but insulin resistance basically causes the ovaries Mm -hmm. to be insulin resistant, which causes the infertility. It causes the irregular periods. But with this, we'll a lot of times see fatigue, bowel issues, headaches, eczema or hives. And a lot of times this is a poor reaction to stress too. Um, So like trauma can cause this. Uh, High expectations as a child, overtraining, undereating. I see a lot of women that grew up as athletes and went on birth control develop PCOS. It is a very common population because essentially what you're doing is you're going on birth control, which is shutting down your normal hormone production. You're athletic and working out all the time. So you're usually raising androgens. Those are kind of your um, muscle development hormones. And so people kind of, we set them, we set ourselves up as female athletes. Like you set yourselves up for PCOS essentially, if you are not careful with the other inflammatory habits that we can have in our lifestyle. Um, So just something to consider. But the last type of PCOS here is adrenal-based PCOS, and this is mainly stress-driven. So we a lot of times we'll see this with very high levels of DHEAS and, and or cortisol, but usually lower testosterone and, and or normal testosterone and insulin. So this is not, again, an insulin-related one usually. Uh, we'll see high prolactin levels uh, because you have essentially too much stress. You produce too much cortisol. And for a period of time, essentially, you get into a burnout, mm-hmm. uh, which results in this really high DHEAS. Uh, so we'll see acne, facial hair, unwanted hair growth or loss, or regular periods. So what are you looking to do, right? Like, what do we do to resolve PCOS or get it as minimal as possible? Because unfortunately, once you develop PCOS, you kind of, yep. PCOS, you have it for life. Yep. But you can end up with blood work that does not look like you have PCOS, Yes. You can get it to a pretty normal place. So these are things that, you know, again, we're doing some further digging on, right, to really identify. And sometimes you're going into it kind of this is an unknown PCOS or suspected PCOS, right? Like it's not a very clear cut picture, but there are some things that would make it more clear cut um, with some specific lab work. So how do we address these? First and foremost, the gut always goes first. You always have to address the gut and stress. And with this, I want to call out trauma, This is a really big factor, especially for those people who have inflammatory PCOS. So when we think about trauma, we think about, you know, high expectations as a child. This, you always need to be perfect, you know, that you have such high demands from your parents. Um, overtraining, undereating, undernourishment, as Becca was talking about, especially with the athletes there. Emotional trauma, whether that's from family or school, bullying, things like that divorce. Maybe you moved and you lost, you know, a lot of friends and that was a really big life change for you as a child. Maybe you lost loved ones. Um, it could be, you know, physical abuse. It could be a variety of things that just have impacted the central nervous system and you haven't resolved those things. And that's really important. So when we think about stress, trauma needs to be part of that picture. Um, as well. But when we get into classical, you know, beyond working the gut and stress, then we're moving into working insulin 
right? And androgens and testosterone. Because again, remember with classical PCOS, you're going to have high androgens, high testosterone, trying to, you know, lower those, bringing insulin back into line. Um, and then if that's not enough, then you're working into the estrogen. Yeah. You um, need to, when it's classical PCOS, when you have insulin resistance, it's going to make higher testosterone levels. Mm -hmm. And so you need to address the insulin, but if that's not, and that's blood sugar work. And if that's not working, then you have to go get the testosterone and the androgens lowered somehow through, you know, we use salt palmetto, we use metformin, we use berberine, spironolactone for some people, sometimes birth control. Um, and sometimes it's a combination. Yes, absolutely. And so you need to get both down because they kind of interplay with each other. And like Liz was saying that obviously you can go into estrogens. Um, but I wanted to touch really fist on the stress portion. People with PCOS are more sensitive to stress. So unfortunately you are not someone that can handle super high intensity exercise, running your own business. Like it's just, you're going to get hit harder. And that's same thing with autoimmune conditions, AKA why a lot of people believe that PCOS is some variation of an autoimmune condition. You have to kind of accept that you're going to need to act different. You're going to need to have different inputs in your life. You cannot handle what the normal person might be able to handle. It's going to affect you more. And that's just the reality of it. And when you can accept that, you can get your body to a place where you feel good, where your symptoms are minimal, where your body responds to things. But it's just something that you need to understand that like, unfortunately, you're more sensitive and you have to act accordingly. Um, with the pill, induced PCOS, again, gut, stress, but usually you need to work on estrogen and progesterone detox. I'm sorry, estrogen detoxification and balancing. Um, so that might mean helping with estrogen detoxification or, and bringing progesterone levels up. Um, you have to keep androgens in check. Obviously this is where I think getting a Dutch test before you come off of birth control can be really helpful. Um, or within the couple of months coming off of birth control, testing your hormones with blood work to see like, how are they starting to act? Where are they heading? Um, so I think with that, with pill and toast, it's a lot about the progesterone estrogen balance and then inflammatory. And, and with that, you might need to use something like Chaseberry, Progon B. Maybe you'll need to use something like a BroncoMax, glutathione, um, DIM to help process out that excess estrogen. Uh, there might, usually there needs to be some type of supplemental support. Yeah. Methylation support, yep. right? A lot of things that we would consider. And this is where the Dutch test comes in. Um, because some people, if they aren't um, able to methylate well, right, they're not draining the bathtub well. Liz um, and I. Yeah, both of us are low methylators. And I have the MTHFR and I some other things. Soon. You're going to find out on your um, genetics test. That's right. Yeah. So, you know, I think it's, there's just a lot to consider here. And again, kind of as I went on a, a rant uh, on one of the recent episodes, if you're not getting the help from your doctor, and all they can tell you is that everything is fine. Symptoms in your head. Maybe you just take, uh, you know, anti-anxiety medication, or maybe you just take birth control, or you know, try this um, thyroid medication. And you're not really fully understanding and having clear-cut answers, and it's not helping resolve issues. Because sometimes birth control will help, but it won't resolve the issues. Yes. Right? You're masking with a band-aid a lot of things. Like I wish I could go back at, to my 14-year-old self and really do the work that we do now to identify what was going on before going on that birth control. Oh, um, yeah. I, it helped a ton, right? I, I'm not going to deny that. I lost my period for three years yeah. when I was on it. Thought it was the best thing in the world. Of course. <laughs> Man, when I first got my first marina, I didn't have a period or any symptoms for like a year and a half. And then, boop, every cycle, 28 days, ovulation, everything is like weird how it just shifted. But anyways, if 
any of these resonate with you and you're like, yeah, that sounds like me. Yeah. I have some of these, you know, things that are, are going on. Um, reach out because we're going to assess all of the things that we talked about with the thyroid, with cortisol, with insulin, with DHA, all of these markers. And, you know, we can really help drill down. Is it a nonspecific PCOS or a specific type of PCOS or is it something else? And it's the gut and it's other hormones or whatever it might be. So with that, we hope that you guys have a fabulous rest of your day. I'm off to have a cocktail.